0: You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au Well, our God is not a distant God. It can be very easy to think of God as distantly up there, uh, looking down uh, on all things, apart from all things, looking down from a great height. Or it can be easy to think of God or Jesus, as distantly back there, back 2,000 years ago, distant in time. But the essence of a Christian's relationship with God is not distance, it's actually intimacy. God is close to you, in fact he's inside you. If you're a Christian, you have God, the Holy Spirit, living within you. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So you can't actually be a Christian without the Holy Spirit living inside you. uh, Without the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the triune Spirit within you. And so the big question is... Do you have the Holy Spirit? Because if you don't know the answer to that, then you won't know whether all the other wonderful things that we're going to go through in the rest of chapter 8, verses 1 to 17, actually apply to you. They're yours. So do you have the Holy Spirit? You may well think, well, I'm not sure if the Holy Spirit's living in me. I've never really had deep spiritual experiences, I've always worshipped God, as kind of out there. Well, here's how you can know that you have the Holy Spirit. Do you call Jesus your Lord and Saviour? Uh, have you repented? Are you trusting for your, that Jesus died for your sins and rose again to new life, that he gives you new life? And do you believe that he's Lord, that he's at the right hand of God in power, he's got authority over all things and has authority over every aspect of your life? Do you follow him as Lord? Well, if the answers to those questions are both yes, then I can actually tell you with complete confidence and utter certainty that yes, you do have the Holy Spirit. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, do you believe that? Then you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, of course, this isn't just something for your head a uh, theological point. It's a truth to be lived and to be experienced and delighted in. See, having the Holy Spirit changes you. He brings new things. In chapter 8, verses 1 to 17, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit gives us a new freedom and a new mind and a new relationship. So, firstly, a, a new freedom. If the book of Romans is a mountain range, then Paul has been building up to this its highest he began by saying this letter is all about the gospel I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for all who believe why do we need the gospel? because we all fall short of the glory of God we all sin back in chapter 5 we learned that this is because we are in Adam His sin made us all sinners. We have a predisposition towards sin. And so, chapter 5, verse 18, one man's trespass led to condemnation. Outside of trusting in Jesus, we stand condemned. chapter 7, uh, we heard about how we struggle with sin. We battle with it. But chapter 7, verse 25, God has rescued us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we come to chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. I wonder if you're the kind of person who thinks back to certain things that have happened in life, you mull over them and when you think of them, you can feel the embarrassment or the shame rising up in you again. well, uh, you need to know that there's no condemnation. My dad uh, was an Anglican priest in a country town. Occasionally the Archbishop of Adelaide would come. He'd come to the service, then he'd stay for lunch. You you might have heard this story once before. Uh, But one time I was about five years old and I learnt a very rude word that week. And I didn't really understand it, but clearly it was a really special word, so I decided I would wait for a very special occasion uh, to use it. And I thought, at lunch with the Archbishop of Adelaide, what is more special than that? And so when the Archbishop of Adelaide turned to me and said, and Sam, how are you? I decided to employ the very rude word. Well, uh, there was a moment of stunned silence, Uh, I think a look of embarrassment around the table. I I, I saw that it had quite some effect. It was clearly a very special word, so I used it again. And it wasn't until my father took me out and explained to me just how rude that word was that I suddenly felt this terrible uh, shame and embarrassment. And uh, even as I talk about it now, you might might be able to tell, I'm, I'm, I'm reading up a little bit. Well, I need to know that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Uh, of course, parents can feel condemnation uh, quite often. I imagine my parents felt like failures in that moment as I used the very rude word to the archbishop. It's easy to look as parents at the behaviour of our children or, or perhaps even more often at our own failures. As parents, as we lose our temper or we look and we compare our own family with how another family seems to operate and you can just feel condemned. Well, we need to know that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Or maybe you've been very much in Romans chapter 7. You've been wrestling with your sin. And you think God must be actually getting really bored of hearing me confess the same sins again and again. You think maybe God's up there thinking, can't he Can't he just be original? And I can forgive a, a different one. And perhaps you wonder whether God will... Keep on forgiving you. Well, you need to know that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Or perhaps there's something terrible that's happened in your life that you've done, uh, something that changed your life or the life of others irrevocably and you have just felt the guilt of that for years Perhaps you need to know that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. How is that possible? How is it possible that there can be no condemnation? Uh, Well, chapter 8, verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. How did it do it? Well, What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. There is no condemnation because all those things that you feel condemn you have already been condemned. Jesus died as a sin offering and so has already suffered the condemnation and his work is applied to your life by the Holy Spirit who has given you life and set you free from that. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit gives you a new freedom. Uh, Secondly, the Holy Spirit also gives you a new mind. Have a look at verses 5 to 8. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on what the flesh desires, but those who live according to, in accordance with the Spirit set their minds on what the Spirit desires. Now, what's what's the mind he's talking about here? He mentions it a number of times in these verses. What, what's he talking about? Well, your mind here is that whole package of, of where your mind goes when it wanders. It's your values, it's your world views, it's your priorities, it's your beliefs about what success looks like in life. And if you have your mind set on the flesh, your mind will be just like those who don't have God's Holy Spirit. It will look just like uh, your, your non-Christian neighbours. You have the same priorities. You have the same desires. Uh, but if you are living according to the Spirit, you will set your mind on the things above. You have God's priorities, and Paul says these are actually two fundamentally different states of mind. Whether you live by the flesh or live by the Spirit. See what you set your mind on is tremendously important. Paul says. Because setting your mind on the flesh, the worldly priorities and desires, actually uh, the default Australian way of seeing the world, isn't just neutral, he says. he says. He says it's hostile to God. And it leads to death. We tend to think that uh, we can kind of just add God at the edges uh, that we can think just like what how the world thinks, desire just what the world desires, and, you, you know, God's going to be pretty okay with that. No, Paul says, the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God and it cannot please God and it leads to death. Now, Paul writes this to Christians and he's telling us to do something. There's a sense in which... Um, he says, set your mind instead on the things of the Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, then God gives you a new mind. But it's, it's not that you become a Christian and God kind of opens up the top of your head, pulls out the old mind, pops in a new one, and that's completely pure and, and right and spiritual. No, this is a process and a choice. Even as a Christian, you can choose to walk in accordance with the Spirit or not. In fact, when you're given the Spirit, it's now possible for you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Before you were given the Spirit, it was actually impossible. You couldn't do it. So how do you know if you're setting your mind on the things of the Spirit? Well, here's a test for you. Uh, When was the last time something you read in the Bible or you heard at church actually changed your mind about... A topic or changed the way you acted you saw something on tv and you you knew it wasn't helpful you switched the channel or you caught yourself being envious of someone else and instead listed all the things f- for which you're thankful to god for how long since something like that happened if the answer is five years then you're probably in a bit of trouble uh, I think for the Christian living in accordance with the Spirit, the answer should be last Tuesday. I remember I did something like that. Or th- even this morning, uh, the Holy Spirit confronted you with your pride and led you to a new humility, or confronted you with your greed and led you to a new contentment, or, or more, much more positively, when you discovered that you were filled with a countercultural love for the poor. Or you suddenly realise with a shock or surprise that you really had truly forgiven that person. Living by the Spirit allows the work of the Spirit in your life. And he will convict you of your sin and lead you to repentance. And he'll grow God's graces in you. And both of these will be in a direction that the average Australian finds completely foreign the spirit he gives you this new freedom there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus and he gives you a new mind the spirit also gives you a new relationship have a look at Romans 8:14 for those who are led by the spirit of god are the children of god the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. This is one of the most glorious and wonderful things about the gospel. Uh, you are a child of God. You're adopted into God's family. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. Now this has both a legal reality and a relational reality. Uh, The word used for adoption here is the word that's used to describe adoption into the full legal standing of a male heir in Roman society. Uh, So that means the family name is given to you, that means the family titles are given to you, the family inheritance is given to you. So say for a moment uh, we have a leading family here in Cranbourne and the head of that family is the Earl of Cranbourne. Uh, The Earl of Cranbourne has an extensive country estate, large land holdings, some of which in true Cranbourne style have been subdivided and sold off for housing developments and so the uh, family is immensely rich. With the title comes a seat in the Senate, in the government. And say you were adopted, no matter how old you are, uh, you were adopted into this family by the Earl of Cranbourne and so the title will be yours and the land will be yours and the riches and the seat of government they're all going to be yours and and you know if that can you imagine that happening and how your status in the community actually completely changes well you've been adopted into God's family And his name is yours. His riches are given to you. You are, Paul says, an heir of God and wonderfully a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Your legal relationship to God has changed. But as stupendously amazing as that is, that's not even the greatest part of it, I think. Because it's not just legal, it's also relational. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, there's a difference between knowing yourself adopted legally and feeling it and experiencing it. See, our relationship with God is not distant, but it's intimate. It's like the cry of a child, Daddy. Daddy. A cry of total trust and utter safety in the infinite power and goodness of our holy God who is love, who is our Father. By the Holy Spirit you have that relationship with God. Now this can be, I know, uh, complicated for people. Uh, fatherhood is a really powerful thing. I think there's something deep in our hearts that wants to admire our dads, uh, to have their approval, to know ourselves beautifully and properly loved by our dads, but our earthly dads don't always live up to this. I've known a woman in her 80s who her dad was, was a, a rotter of a dad uh, and she still struggled with that. She still wanted it to be different. 80 years old still struggling with it and when that's the case it can be hard to not just know ourselves adopted by God the father but to, to actually trust him to imagine that God could love us and perfectly and rightly and safely and be our father uh, I heard uh, the true story of a good man who together with his wife uh, adopted a, a young girl and uh, the father loved her, cared for her, he sought to assure her completely of her place as his daughter, but but she could never bring herself to call him dad. And this went on for years. The father kept on loving her and, and caring for her. And then one day, uh, she came into the room with uh, a broken shoe in her hand, a broken shoelace, and she said, Daddy, can you fix my shoe? And I think, uh, you know, that man was so delighted, so overjoyed, uh, that I think he would have bought an entire shoe shop full of shoelaces for the girl. See, there's a difference between knowing yourself legally, adopted as a child of God, and feeling it, and trusting it, and living it. Can you cry to God, Abba, Father? Do you know that he loves you perfectly and he does say to you, even today, Oh my daughter, oh my son, I approve of you. I am for you, I'm proud of you because however old you might be, you are my child. Well what a great privilege it is have the Holy Spirit who gives us a new freedom. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Uh, The Spirit who gives us a new mind set on the glorious and good things of God. The Spirit who testifies to us even now that we are God's children. Well this is only the beginning of the riches of Romans chapter 8. There's so much more still to come but let's pray that we can take even this in uh, this week. Would you pray with me? Our Lord and Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is that we can call you Father. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have given us the gift of your Spirit. Father, thank you that there is no condemnation Perhaps you might like to bring to mind something that you've struggled with and felt condemned with. Let's bring that to mind now. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us to know that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, in our hearts and in our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us a new mind. Lord, help us to live by your spirit in accordance with the spirit more and more. Be at work in us by your spirit to do that. Oh, and Heavenly Father, help us to know that you love us, that you're our father, that we're your children. Help us to trust in that, in you, and live in the beauty of that relationship with all its privileges,